Hello everyone, uh, this episode is going to be a bonus episode. I had someone just bring up a subject to me that they were concerned about and they asked me the question, wanted to see some biblical concept behind it and recently I'll give you the background on the question as to why. Uh, the background was because we had recently brought a, any, uh, a missionary to our church uh, because our state overseer had uh, talked to us about getting him to come to our churches to get support for his next few mission trips. And so at a request for the state overseer and being vetted through the state as a Church of God um, missionary, uh, we Church of God pastors asked him to come so that he could explain some things and and, uh, and basically ask the church for money to support. That's what missionaries have to do. And uh, one of the reasons why is because the pastor uh, the pastor has a congregation that takes up money and pays him, the uh, evangelist, as he travels around locally in the United States. He goes from church to church and the churches take up money to support him and send him from church to church to help pay his way and support his family while he's doing what God's told him to do, but the missionary don't have that availability. Once the missionary leaves the United States to go to another country, he is going to a place where it's strictly poverty-stricken and uh, no church-to-church-to-church -to -church -to -church type thing to support him, and so he needs to get support from his home churches in the area before he takes off. And so the the question was, where was it biblically to back this up? So I'm going to give you this lesson really quick to help you out on this. And it starts in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we're going to read. And I, I'm going to read that whole area, that whole chapter. But I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible today to kind of help the explanation. Uh, as I read it in the King James Version and the Amplified Version, <clears throat> the Amplified Version don't change anything. It makes it sound uh, a lot closer to what we need to hear uh, as as explaining it versus the, uh, the King James uses some wording there that may be confusing. But here's what Paul was doing. It was He was talking about being generous and supporting the missions and ministry of other churches. And so here he says, verse 1 and 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and again, I'm reading in the Amplified Bible. Now, brothers and sisters, we want to tell you about the grace of God, which has been evident in the churches of Macedonia, awakening them a longing to contribute or giving money. For during an ordeal of severe distress, their abundant joy and their deep poverty together overflowed in the wealth of their lavish generosity. For I testing or for I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave voluntarily, begging us insistingly for the privilege of participating in the service for the support of the saints in Jerusalem. Not only did they give materially, as we had hoped, but first they gave of themselves to the Lord and to us as his representatives by the will of God, disregarding their personal interest and giving as much as they possibly could. So we urged Titus that as he began it, he should also complete this gracious work among you as well. He's talking to the church in Corinth. But just as you excel in everything and lead the way in faith and speech and knowledge in genuine concern and in your love for us, see that you excel in this gracious work of giving also. 
I am not saying this as a command to dictate to you, but to prove by pointing out the enthusiasm of others, the sincerity of your love as well. For you are recognizing more clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his astonishing kindness, his generosity, his gracious favor, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich and abundantly blessed. I give you my opinion in this matter. This is to your advantage. Who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to take action to help believers in Jerusalem, but also the first to desire to do it. So now finish this so that your eagerness in desiring it may be equaled by your completion of it according to your ability. For if the eagerness to give is there, it is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. For it is not intended that others be relieved of their responsibility and that you be burdened unfairly, but that there is equality in sharing the burden and supporting the churches and supporting ministry. At this present time, your surplus or over necessities is going to supply their needs so that at some other time, maybe their surplus will be given to supply your need that there may be equality as it is written in Scripture he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not lack. So it goes on in verse 16. He says, But thanks be to God who puts the same genuine concern for you in the heart of Titus. For Titus not only accepted our appeal, but was so very interested in you that he has gone to visit you out of his own accord. He's, he's being a missionary. He's going over there in person. And we had sent along with him the brother who is praised in the gospel ministry throughout all the churches. And not only this, but he has also been appointed by the churches to travel with us in regard to this gracious offering which we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness as believers to help one another. We are taking precautions so that no one will find anything with which to discredit us in our administration of this generous gift. Take a look at verse 20 again. We're taking precaution so that no one will find anything with which to discredit us in our administration of this generous gift and giving it out and using it wisely. Verse 21, For we have regarded for what is honorable and above suspicion, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. They're being honorable and careful with the funds that has been provided to them to go help others. We have sent with them our brother, whom we have often tested and found to be diligent in many things, but who is now even more diligent than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker in your service. And as for the other two brothers, they are special messengers of the churches. They may be evangelists or missionaries. So a glory and credit to Christ is what he calls them. Verse number 24, therefore show these men in the sight of the churches. I'm going to, I'm going to reword that right there. Therefore show these evangelists, show these missionaries in the sight of the churches, the proof of your love and our reason for being proud of you. So I want to talk to you today about that and kind of give you a little bit of, uh, 
oversight and explanation in it. And I'm going to explain that with, uh, with some notes that I've got drawn out here. So I want to talk about the Apostle Paul asking for money. So this is based out of a, a 2 Corinthians chapter 8, just like what we just got through reading. <clears throat> and so I want to talk out here. Uh, Forbes magazine estimated that there's like 1,125 billionaires in the world. And they this was an article from November 11th. 2018. So this has been quite a bit to go. There's a lot more billionaires in the world today. And that's three times as many as there was three years ago, which would have been 2015. Meaning that there's three times as many people that others love to hate because of their money. But hearing some rags to riches tales makes it a bit easier to accept the news that some blue collar workers are now white collar billionaires. But is there anything that would cause us to say that they deserve all this money? Now, just hold on to me because I'm, I'm building this. So just bear with me. Uh, only one thing could help for sure. Ridiculous wealth seems justified when it is matched by jaw dropping charitable giving. People see no problem with that. So I'm going to use Oprah Winfrey. I know a lot of people don't like her. A lot of them do. What, whatever your opinion is about Oprah, <clears throat> put it aside because I want you to understand this particular part about Oprah that everybody should agree with. Few people complain about Oprah's $2.5 billion worth of net worth. She was born unmarried are born to unmarried teen parents, and her mom was a maid and her dad was a coal miner. <clears throat> Growing up in rural Mississippi, and her mother was so poor that her grandmother was making dresses for Oprah from potato sacks. In other words, Oprah's ghetto to glamorous lifestyle is as unlikely as a meteor coming down and striking you in the forehead. But the striking difference between Oprah and some of her billionaire uh, compatriots or other people that are billionaires is the fact that Oprah's unmatched reputation for generosity stands out above anybody else. She's a character member or a charter member of the new philanthropist and she rewarded her entire staff and her entire, all the families of the entire staff. Over 1,000 people, Oprah Winfrey, paid for Hawaiian vacations for every single one of those people that worked for her. She funded the college costs for 250 African-American men. <clears throat> she covers all the administrative costs of Oprah's Angel Network so that 100% of all the hundreds of millions of dollars in donations go toward justice issues and education for the world's poorest people. Oprah has topped the Celebrity Gives group three out of four years by giving 10 times of the second best giver in the Celebrity Gives competition. So Oprah's giving, it stands out quite a bit. Why? Because Oprah remembers her roots. She gives to causes that should have been there to take care of kids like her when she was growing up. So she's the cultural model of moving from poverty to riches to poverty alleviation. And that's what Paul's talking about here. So how many have told God that if God made us rich, we would take care of the needs of countless others? Lord, if you give me all that money, I'll give it to other people. Well, Paul is telling 
telling the Corinthians that they should dig into their purses. That's what Corinthians chapter 8 is about. Paul is coming to them specifically as a missionary saying, I want you to get into your money, dig into your purses for these other people. So let's be clear. There's plenty of ways that you can give to the Lord's work and those that are in need. And, and you may think about your spiritual gifts, our skills, our talents, our, our prayers and our time. But Paul is not asking the Corinthian church to do those things. Paul's asking for money, cold, hard cash. He's asking for a real follow-through with it pledge. Give this money. These people are in need. I'm the liaison. I'm the one doing the begging. I want you. I'm the one standing up here in all humility doing the begging, not for me, but for somebody else's benefits. So how rich is rich and how needy is in need? Have we missed the possibility that God has already put us in a position of provision? In other words, do we need a handout or do we need our wallet out? Are we called to be donees or are we called to be donors? And this is the theme of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is what Paul's talking about. So despite their poverty... The Macedonian churches, that, that's the Philippians incidentally, the Macedonian churches had generously funded the church in Corinth. That was in verses 1 through 6. That's where Paul opened up at. He's talking about the Macedonians funding the church in Corinth, but now he's talking to Corinth. So the apostle is asking for money. He's asking the Corinth church now the recent recipients of charitable giving, to return the favor on behalf of the church in Jerusalem. He's raising money for Jerusalem, so he's going around to other churches, begging for money, asking for money, telling them, I need money. Give me your money. Get your purses out. The church in Jerusalem is suffering. I'm on a mission here. I'm doing a missionary trip, and I'm, I'm on behalf of another church who is in desperate need. I need you to give out of your generosity. That's in verse 7. So on the surface, this text is all about giving, but at a deeper level, it's about our perspective. Does the Corinth church get it? Do, do they really pick it up? Do you get it? Do you understand what he's asking? Do the Corinthian Christians remember where they came from and where they are now? Is their love genuine? Do you really have the love of Christ that you care enough about the people that Paul's begging about for you to pull out your pockets and empty your wallet to take care of that other church? Do they have a healthy perspective of how much they actually have compared to other people? And Paul gives them a reason to give. As far as Paul saw it, there was two main reasons that Corinth needed to remember their roots and give. First was their congregation was blessed by those who gave to help them in their hour of the need, just, just uh, back in when the Macedonians did it. So when Macedonia had more than Corinth, Macedonia bankrolled the Corinth church when the Corinth church was in need. Now Jerusalem is in a great need. They're in a bigger need than what Corinth had, and Corinth at this time needs to share their blessing. That's what Paul's asking them to do. I know what's in your bank account. I know how wealthy you are. I've been to your church before, and it doesn't matter. Jerusalem is in a bad need, and I'm asking you to share your wealth. But Paul wasn't pulling a Robin Hood fundraiser to steal from the rich and give to the poor. 
But then we can look around us and see homeless people, families who live by getting food out of restaurant garbage bins. And this happens, doesn't it? We see it all the time. We see it at local churches and, and local Walmarts and things that we go to. And, and in our own lives, we live by some abundant, most of us. And But Paul was appealing to financial comparison. Regardless of what they had, it was at least more than the Jerusalem church had, and he's asking them to share because Jerusalem was very poor. They were desperately poor. So let me say something about that to give you some perspective of that. The, the church in Jerusalem's needs is what I'm talking about here. Believers in Christ had been kicked out of the synagogues in Jerusalem, thus being cut off from all sources of income. Because in, in that day and time, the, the synagogue was where all the laborers, where the, the laborers connected with people who needed labor so that they could get paid. And in a lot of ways, the synagogue was kind of like the union hall and maybe a temporary labor office. So when they were kicked out of the synagogue, they were cut off from financial support. And another thing about this offering, Paul is asking for, it would also prove to the Jerusalem Christians that the Gentile Christians in Corinth and in Macedonia who are supplying their needs at this particular time of need are as fully and really Christ followers as the Jewish Christ followers. And the Jewish church had not thought this through and didn't believe that this was true yet. And Paul is wanting this to happen for two reasons. Jerusalem needs the money and he wants the, the Jerusalem church, the Jews, to realize that the Gentiles can have a heart just like Christ and give like Christ. So so the offering was Paul's attempt at unity of the Christian church throughout the known world. What does that sound like? It sounds like a missionary standing up in front of a church begging for money on behalf of somebody on the other side of the world. It was important evangelically as well as practically. The point is that those who have more than others share with those who have less, period. Paul called it a fair balance in verse 13. Now, I don't mean that others should be eased of their financial uh, burden and then you be burdened with it, but that as a matter of equality, our abundance at the present time should supply others in their needs uh, when it is possible so that their abundance in the future may be able to supply your needs when you need them. That's, that's how God's church works. The point is to jar our perspective a bit. Should we be hands out reaching for something or have our wallets out giving something and compared with whom? Are we Corinth at this particular time or are we Jerusalem at this particular time? This scripture shows us that churches support churches. Churches support missionaries. Churches support evangelists. Sometimes other churches that have more when, when a church church needs uh, a roof repair or a church needs new poo pews and then other churches, bigger churches, the, the church of God has a state office and a, and a general office that, that's worldwide that has funds. And when we can't raise money for something that's desperately needed, that those offices take up offerings or pull out of general funds and give to us. Why? Because that's God's model of giving. That's how he takes care of us. If giving only two options... We need to look, are we rich at the time or are we the poor one at the time? Are we the one that has the need or are we the one that can, can meet a need? 
That's what Paul's saying about the Macedonians, the church of Corinth, because Macedonia supplied lots of funds to Corinth, more than what they needed at the time. It was a generous offering. And Paul is saying, I know that you got more than you needed and Jerusalem is in a desperate need as a missionary to you. I am begging you to give me that money. Share with me of your abundance and let's give it to to Jerusalem so that they can support the church and the church can continue to grow here. So what position are you in? Are you a college grad, a grad student? Are you unemployed? Are you, you got your first baby? The job numbers are up, but wages are flat. We can all point to times in our lives when we've had less than in, than what we enjoy now. But Paul is saying to Corinth and us, remember your roots, remember your times of need, so you will remember to meet the needs of other people. But there's also that second reason that Paul says why Corinth needs to remember their roots, and this applies to all of us. Regardless of the size of our bank accounts, the example is Jesus Christ. He said, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. That's in verse 9. We need to remember that. Jesus was rich, according to Paul, and he was was referring to his pre-existing Christ status as God and God alone in heaven, and then Christ gave up what he had in heaven, his indivisible deity, to become what he would forevermore be, both human and divine. He humbled himself unto death, death on a cross no less, but Jesus embodied this voluntary experience of poverty so that spiritual poverty could be turned into spiritual richness on our behalf. Our spiritual roots lies in the impoverishment of Christ on our behalf, and that makes us freely giving. Our freely giving of our resources to the needs of other people, it makes it deeply theological. It makes it scriptural-based. It's incarnational, so to speak. That is, it embodies the force and direction of Jesus. It is pure gospel. And so it reenacts our spiritual story through physical action. And so Paul reminds the Corinthian church not only of how others have helped them in the past, but of how Jesus Christ himself is the supreme example of the kind of sacrifice that Paul is now asking them to make. How then could they refuse to send an offering to those in need in Jerusalem? How could we refuse to send an offering to give to a missionary that is begging for money for a church on the other side of the world that is poor and has to have funding? So Paul asked for that money and preachers have been doing it ever since. So why is this necessary? Why do we need someone to meddle with our money? Why do we need to continue preaching about money and generosity in our rich churches or in our well-blessed churches? We do it for the same reason that Paul did it. Paul knew that it was hard to visualize the need of other people unless someone draws a picture for them. The phrase out of sight, out of mind describes most of our perspectives about churches in Africa or churches in New in Gandhi or wherever those churches are that, that these missionaries give their lives to go support and they have no jobs, they have no money at all and they totally depend on us and they get up in a humble state of mind and beg us for money to support their need. That's what Paul is doing right here. Most people lack a sense of object permeance with regard to money, 
but the sins of comfort, self-justification, and plain old-fashioned greed cause most of us to forget how dramatically rich we may be. We treat the needs of others as out of sight, out of mind, and we tend to look at uh, someone going up and asking money for those people on the other side of the world as stepping outside of their bounds, but they're not. They're following the example of Paul to the letter when they stand up in all humility and humble themselves and beg us for money to send to another church, to trust them to carry that money around the world so that when they get on an airplane and leave this country, they have no more financial support anymore. It's whatever we give is the only thing they've got to live by while they help those people for weeks and months at a time. So we forget our roots like those blue-collar billionaires who don't give to the poor like Oprah Winfrey does so well. But to shake up our financial perspectives a bit, here's some questions we can ask in connection with this particular story. How would our lives be experientially poor? How would they be so much more poor without Christ in them? What percentage of our annual income, now listen to this and ask yourself this question honestly, what percentage of your annual income goes toward your needs versus your wants? Are we entitled to fund our own wants above other people's needs? Why would you think that? What is just one area of financial need to which we can give more generously? So our enjoyment of all this may feel like the pleasure that you may get from sitting in a dentist chair waiting on a root canal, but here's the good news. The good news is that we are blessed when we give. Most people who give to relieve the plight and distress of other people, report that they feel very good about it. They feel a sense of spiritual wholeness and satisfaction. When Paul addressed the elders at Ephesus, he closed his message with a word about giving and cited the words of Jesus Christ himself. And here they are. In all this, this is the verse, Acts 20 and 36. In all this I have given you, says Paul, an example that by such work, we must support the weak, remembering the word of the Lord Jesus Christ, for he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. If you want to be blessed, if you want your life to prosper, don't turn against giving, don't disregard giving when missionaries come around wanting to help other people you find yourself right in the middle of it doing all you can to help you want to be assured of god's love in your life and be assured of being blessed be a giver when you know that there's other people that somebody's begging that money for when somebody's coming around asking for money and begging for money to take care of somebody else on the other side of the world be the first one with your wallet out and God's blessings, those windows of heaven, will open up on you. God bless you. I hope this helps you today, and I hope it really shines some light on why missionaries, why preachers, and I myself were one. I, I spent 20 years as a missionary, and a lot of that time, 
I was going around from church to church to church begging for money. Just give me $10. If each of you in here could come out with $10, man, we could, we could build that church. We could build that health clinic down there in Mexico that was working on. We can dig those freshwater wells. We can buy those generators. We can build that school. We can build that soup kitchen that feeds those poor people. Every time I would go around and tell them what we're building it for, I would beg, 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 beg. And every dime that I got, I found some way whether it was enough or whether it wasn't enough, we found some way to make it happen because once you give, God steps in and stretches it and he makes it work. That's why we give. So God bless you. I hope this has helped you. And uh, I thank you for the hearts that you have.